Welcome to Scars to Stars, where conversations and personal stories let us know we are not alone. In this show, you will meet authors and speakers from our books and events as they share vulnerable personal stories to spread hope and inspire you through adversities in your own life. The world is a difficult place. You will find like-minded people here with kind hearts and supportive souls. I am your host, Dina Brown Mitchell. I am a suicide survivor and the founder of the Realize Foundation. I am so glad you are here. Let's dig into this meaningful conversation. Hi, everybody. It's Dina with the Realize Foundation. And today I'm here with Keith Hanks, who is in Massachusetts. And I'm in Colorado, but we're having a very important conversation today about Keith and his journey. And I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself, but he's a a career retired first responder and he has a lot of story to tell. (laughs) So welcome, Keith. Hi, Dana. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, So, yeah, like Dana said, I was a, a firefighter and EMT for 21 years in Massachusetts. And I, um, it was a family tradition thing. I kind of was born and raised in it along with the military. And uh, I love the job. I did it from when I was 18 uh, for again, 21 years after that. So I got in young, it was kind of all I knew. And that, you know, job being what it is, uh, which is full of a lot of trauma. We see a lot of bad things over and over and over again. Um, gave me, gave me quite a bit of images, you know, a lot of, a lot of good and bad memories, not all bad. Um, but coupled with, uh, my childhood, uh, and abuse, uh, and then personal loss and trauma throughout the years in my adult years, I ended up developing a compact, uh, complex PTSD. And, uh, with that, a few other diagnoses that go along with, with trauma. And so in 2017, I left the job, uh, which was very hard and I sort of lost my identity. Because uh, at 18, I was sort of given it. So uh, I kind of got on this journey of advocating for mental health, specifically in the first responder world, because it's so under-talked about, or talk, talked about at all sometimes in some areas. Um, uh, suicide rates are really high. I lost a few friends. I had had my own attempts. Uh, I've had six suicide attempts in my own life. And I, I knew something needed to be done. So I started talking about it, started doing social media stuff before you knew it. I was, I was speaking around the country and doing podcasts, you know, as far away as Australia, got involved with some documentaries. Uh, and that's kind of what I do these days is I just, I, um, I try to break down the stigma because it's just such an important topic. I think it's something we all can find a common ground with at some level, whether it's we know someone who suffers from it or a family member or ourselves at some degree or some level. Uh, so, you know, I think mental, the talk about mental health is so important uh, for everyone to hear about. Agreed. Agreed. Um, And I, I really was honored to read your story and to hear some of what you've been through. And I did not know a lot of it. So Hmm. it was, it's incredible what we as human beings can endure and come out with positivity and purpose on the other side. Yeah. It so is. thank you for standing up and being that role model for, you know, people in your industry and, and, and beyond. 
Well, thank you. I, I love what I do. So it's, uh, it's very important. <laughs> yeah, it is important. Um, I want to ask you about your chapter and I know you kind of, you kind of gave an overview. But I don't know if you want to specifically talk about a certain part or, or the writing experience, either one. Yeah, I think, I think both are pretty important. Um, but you know, all in all, my story is, is a, is a, you know, summary basically of my entire life. Uh, but it focuses on, you know, what happened, you know, both personal and professionally, uh, and then how I got through it and what I do to, to continue to get through it. And, you know, it's really important because I think, I think we all, you know, I think the resources are out there. I think when it comes to mental health of any level, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, organic or trauma-based or whatever, the help is out there. And I think people just don't know enough about it, don't know enough about people's experiences uh, with it, um, whatever it may be, whether it's therapy, Reiki, pills, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, people don't know enough. So they're too timid to ask about it. And so I try to break down that, that barrier when I talk or I give, or I write stuff, whatever it is, whether it's articles or, or chapters, whatnot, to try to break down that, that um, the misnomers maybe, or, or the, the unknown. So people feel uh, more comfortable or maybe more enticed to, to better their mental wellness. Yeah. I think I just want to share something because the suicide attempt I had in 97, I woke up in the hospital and less than I, I was there less than eight hours. Hmm. The doctor gave me a note to make an appointment with somebody and let me walk out of the front door. And that was in the nineties when people weren't having these conversations as much. Not at all. No, not at all. And, it also, I, I was a, I was already a manager of a restaurant and at that, and since then I've been, you know, executive in the hotel world, I've owned my own businesses and I never, ever knew what NAMI was until 2020. Right. I didn't know that all these other organizations out there and resources even existed. I just knew that you could go to therapy <laughs> and I didn't. And so for 23 years, I was silent about it. And did nothing about it and told no one. <laughs> and then, you know, now it's like I've done so much research. I know what's available. And I don't know what of that conglomerate was available back then, mm. but I'm sure some of it was. And it was just not. I mean, you think if you're if you're taken to the hospital in that scenario, that they would give you more than make a make an appointment with this doctor. And when yep. I went to the doctor, all he did was prescribe me a pill. Yep. There was there was no like you should go to therapy. There was there was no conversation about any of that. And so I do feel like we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty bad when when suicide alone is is usually number nine or ten on the top killers of people in this country. Uh, and when you combine things that they don't combine, which are things like uh, liver problems that result in fatalities, uh, drug overdoses that are categorized separately, uh, suicides, intentional deaths like that are probably close to the number five in this country. In some some age brackets, they're number two. Mm-hmm. Like you're either going to die in a car accident or you're going to kill yourself if you're like 24 to 32. And it's like, that's awful. 
That's awful. And I, when I talk to people, when I give presentations, this is one of the things I, I say is I give some of the statistics. And the fact that in this country, you're actually three times more likely to die by your own hands than to be shot by someone else or killed by someone else. That's awful. That is awful to think about, that you would end your own life. You have a better chance of ending your own life than someone doing it for you. That's awful. That's sad. It is. And I think I was just talking to someone before this call um, that was a gentleman that works in my former industry. And he has come out and talked about mental health a little bit lately when he was re resistant to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I told him, I said, you know, all of us have the thoughts that we're alone and we're not enough and we don't matter. All of everybody has those thoughts at some point. It's just that some of us have them more often and louder than others. And we think it's just us. So we keep it quiet yeah. and I can speak to this from experience, yep. but if you, when we do stand up and talk, which I was so terrified to do, but when I did stand up and talk about it, it was like, it was a relief for me, but it was also so many people that reached out to me and said, I have this, I have that, I have depression, I have PTSD, I have this. And they would have never told me that if I wouldn't have been honest about my own story. Right. And so the more that we can talk about it, the more it gives other people permission. And I think that the books are something that reach people even better because they may not be ready to talk, but they can read a story and relate to it and connect with a person that they read your story and they can connect with you and have a conversation and it helps them get over that hump of speaking out. And right. so that is the reason we do what we do. We just want people to know they're not alone in those thoughts because, you know, it's proven that, you know, most of the population has the same thoughts and they're not alone. Yeah, no, it is. And, and it's, it's beyond giving that, normalizing that conversation and giving people that, Hey, I'm not alone. It can also humble you. It, you know, for me, you know, I, I, when I tell my story and people learn more about me, they're like, Holy crap, you're on the, you're on the pretty intense end of like the trauma scale. Right. And not everyone has my story. And I get that there's, you know, lesser, lesser things can happen. It's individual. Right. But when you're reading things, you know, like for me, where I come from, you know, the first responder in military world, it's, I see the world differently. And, you know, what maybe upset other people doesn't necessarily upset me. And what upsets me, most people don't understand. And so when I read chapters, like when I read the book, when I read volume two of Scars of Stars, um, I was I was reading things by people who were hairdressers, by people who were what whatever. I don't even remember, but they weren't first responders. There was only one other first responder uh, who told the story. And most of his story wasn't necessarily first responder specific. And so you get humbled. You get you get this. Oh, wow. Like. I got it pretty good then, you know, almost like hearing other people's stories. And I think finding that common ground with this is something with mental health is something that is so needed. And it's been proven throughout history that the more we talk about something, the better that could be. And, and cancer is one of those. We never used to talk about cancer. It was, shh, shh, shh. we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. the, they got the, they got the C word or whatever. And, uh, and now look at it we're, we're curing cancer that, you know, 15 years ago was killing people every time they got it. Yeah, so. that's true. It's true. And we hope that we can do the same thing with suicide rates. But I think I think you're right about reading other people's story, because 
it's like once you've gone through something, like you've made it to the other side, it's not that we forget it or we forget the pain, but it's like we've we're on the other side. Yeah. And when we read somebody's story who's different than ours, we can't imagine going through that. So we think their story is worse than ours. Hmm. But if that helps us know we're not alone and it helps us know that there's hope, that's what matters. 100%. So my other question for you is Mm -hmm. just can you talk a little bit about when you decided to write your story and like what that process was like for you? Yeah, so this is this is kind of a, a two stage, I guess, answer. So I actually started telling my story in like a journal entry sort of way, and I never thought in a million years I would ever want to take writing on as a multiple gig thing, uh, which now I do. And uh, you know, writing for me was always hard. I so throughout school and stuff, I didn't do much. I got through cl- the high school English on Cliff Notes. I did like one major writing assignment in college. Um, uh, and I don't know how I did it, but I got through it all. Um, so writing for me, was always hard because I always felt weird writing my thoughts out. And when you're talking about your story as it regards to, you know, mental health and, and, and trauma, uh, you're, you're talking about feelings, you're talking about emotions, you're talking about very powerful parts of, of your existence. And, um, I quickly realized that I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And, <laughs> Uh, I grew up as kind of a geek. I read a lot of comics. I'm still a sci-fi guy, you know, so maybe it's that imagination part of me that kind of allows me to write. But for me, it's very cathartic. And when I first wrote, um, so I, I'm writing my own book um, about my whole story and give it more details than I do in most other things I do. Um, and I realized after I wrote this this initially, the first draft of it, uh, that it, it was like, like 600 pages. It was like 187,000 words. And I realized that most of it was me venting. Most of it was me healing. It was me facing what I had been through in the formal words instead of the actual event or images or harm or whatever it was. And I was healing. And so when I took on writing the chapter here for, you know, Scars of Stars, um, I knew exactly what I wanted to write. And, and, and at first it was daunting being like, all right, my whole life story in 3,500 words, um, you know, and but I did it. And I, I was able to write it in a way that I've never written about my life before, which showed me, you know, going back the last six, seven years that I've been writing, um, that I've done massive amounts of healing that I wasn't aware of. And I was able to use that as, as strength and motivation, with everything else that I do, uh, because writing is very cathartic. And I've heard this from other people, and it's, it's so important to get experiences down on, um, in book form because it's all, it's all education. And, and again, it allows people to learn that they're not alone and uh, being able to see words um, digital or on paper. I'm an old school guy. I like my books, um, but to be able to see words and read them your own way of someone else's experience is, is pretty huge and a very unique thing to be able to do. Yes, it is. And I think, I think the stories in these books are they're very vulnerable and you don't always I mean sometimes you get that in other books but not always and so I think that's what makes it the it makes the connection stronger for readers when they can relate to what somebody's going through and I think that um writing for me too has been like that because 
in 2020, when I closed my business, I had a whole lot of time on my hands and I wasn't used to having any time on my hands. <laughs> and yep. uh, I started, you know, people had told me for years that I should journal. And I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, but I started journaling in 2020 and it changed everything. It, it, it did exactly what you said after years and years of not talking about things. It let me get it out of my head and it really did help me heal. And it was, it was a really big part of my journey as well. It's huge. And, and even, you know, I, I don't know if it's just getting it out like that whole, like, you know, they used to say, write it down and then throw the paper away or something like that. And it could, that can be good thought. That never worked for me, but I don't know if it's seeing the words and being like picking up on the parts of the sentences and, and paragraphs that are important to what you're talking about and be like, Oh, okay. It's out of me. It's literally on this computer or on this piece of paper or whatever it may be. It's out of me. And this is what it looks like. It's just words. Yeah. You know, it's no longer the event. It's no longer, the, you know, the pain or the, or the images. It's, it's out on paper and it's just words, you know, and I think it's important. So I'm glad at least, at least one other person has, uh, has experienced the cathartic effect of writing. Well, it's funny. I, I want to share a story because I think it connects to what you're saying. Um, back in, the, in 97, after, I don't know, however many months after I woke up in the hospital, um, I had a really good friend and her sister from college who also lived in the area where I was living and they didn't really know what happened, but they knew that I was having a hard time some, for some reason. And they asked me to go with them to see a tarot card reader. Hmm. And I was like, I don't believe in that. I don't want to go. I really just didn't want to go anywhere with anybody except to work. Because right. I was just depressed. Um, but they knew that and they were trying to get me to get out of the house and do something. And I was like, I really don't want to go. And she's like, well, I'm five minutes away. I'm coming to get you. Yeah, that's how it works. Yep. So I went with them and we, I don't know, it was some like gift shop or something. And there was this little table in the back corner and it was this lady sitting there. <laughs> and I talked to her. I don't remember anything she said about reading my cards. But what I remember was at the end, she gave me her business card and she was actually a counselor. Hmm. And she told me to make an appointment if I wanted to come talk to her. Hmm. And I think at some point, I don't, the timeline of all this is so fuzzy in my head, but at some point I went and talked to her and she told me three things that I remember. And that was burn sage in your apartment rearrange your furniture and write everything down and burn it. Hmm. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, sometime later after that, I, I woke up in my Jeep on the side of the road with no recollection of where I was. Hmm. And I had been to a party and I had been drinking and I had, I think we were going to another place and I, I, cause I obviously wasn't going home and I, I pulled over and I'm just, I woke up that morning with the sunrise and said, first of all, where am I? And second of all, did I hurt anybody? Because that, that woke me up pretty big. 
And so when I got home that day, I did those three things she told me to do, hmm. even though it had been probably weeks or months. I don't know. I did those things. And that's when I started, started to do something to make myself better. And so I don't know that it worked or it didn't work, but it helped me do something to take the next step. Right. And if that helps anyone listen, listening, then it was worth me telling. <laughs> 100%. Are you feeling alone, lacking hope and unsure of the future? So many people are feeling the same way. How could you not after an unprecedented lockdown of the entire globe? The fallout has changed the normalcy we all knew. It's hard when you feel lost and even harder when you're scared to talk about it. We are here to help. At the Realize Foundation, we provide peer-to-peer -peer support through conversations, community, and personal stories. It is our mission to spread hope and let you know that you are not alone. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to become part of our membership community to get the peer-to-peer -peer support you need. Learn more at the call to action link for Scars to Stars membership. I look forward to seeing you in our community of kind souls. I think that's what this all is all about, whether it's overcoming adversity or, or, you know, mental health as a whole or whatever it is. I think just hearing other people talk about it. I mean, it, it's, it sounds weird at first, but it's relieving to hear other people's stories. And once you hear a few and you get over, you get out of your, you kind of, able to stay in your own uncomfort zone, I say, because it is uncomfortable to hear other people's pain, which is why we haven't talked about this for so long. Mm -hmm. It's if you can endure these stories and you can listen to them, you all you hear in this is hope because if the person who's lived the, the events is telling you, they're still here and they've gotten through whatever that moment is. And that's hope right there. And if you people can listen to these stories, um, you know, we can we can gain so much more hope in this world and, and, and change lots of parts of it the better i agree and i'm glad you have joined our mission <laughs> i know you have your you. your own mission as well which i want to support however i can and um you want to tell people a little bit more about what you're what you have in the works and your speaking and all that stuff yeah yeah so like i you know i just said i i am writing my own book um which is a process as um, you know sure dean is aware um and it's even harder when you try and do most of at least the beginning of it by yourself and you don't want to get rid of certain information. You're not sure if you need to build on other. So um, that's one of the biggest things, I've been, the longest term thing I've been working on. I mean, that's what my journaling started as back in 2017 uh, or 16. So, um, but things just kind of, I'm doing things now I never imagined I do. Like I do podcasts all the time and uh, it's a lot of fun. I actually enjoy going on and just talking. I've done ones that are like a hundred percent mental health talks and the ones that we just talked about, uh, like my job you know, as a firefighter. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, in that, before that, I had started on a smaller scale, uh, getting up on, you know, stage, if you will, and, and telling my story. And it's, this is all growth because beyond the fact that, you know, I spent a career as a firefighter in ENT and never thought in a million years I'd be doing all this. Um, and that being growth, every time I present or tell my story, However, it, it's not that the information changes, but the way I present it changes. I get better every time I do it. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that until 
not that long ago, I had someone show a snippet of one of my first presentations back in 2021, uh, like a conference level one. And I was like, wow, okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's not bad. I'm not, I'm glad I did it, but, but wow, I'm a lot better. And that's growth because beyond just becoming better at, at presenting, I'm healing. And so, you know, that all gave me a lot more confidence. And um, I was actually able in March of 2022, I had convinced uh, a few Hollywood producers to make a documentary on first responder uh, trauma and PTSD. And so in March, uh, we started the filming process and made a, you know, full length, feature length uh, documentary that sort of centers around my story and has, you know, 16 other people that are interviewed uh, from different parts, uh, some personal, like my wife's in it, and then different people I've worked with and stuff. And, it, and everyone tells their own story. And everyone's being so vulnerable. And I'll be honest, I mean, I was never an actor kid in school. I never did whatever whatever they used to call it, stage. Um, I always theater. thought it was theater or whatever. I always thought it was dumb, I'll be honest. Um, but to sit there, and maybe things are different when you do like a screenplay, but to sit there and listen to other people's stories while they're on camera. I mean, it, it is so at times for some people very intimidated to be in front of a camera, but these people are telling these, these, these powerful stories, these vulnerable stories that are now going to be seen by potentially millions of people at some point. And that took mind my friends, but that took some balls. I mean, that took a lot of strength and courage even for the men and women who got in front of that camera. And for me to be able to witness that was huge. I live my own story every day, but to be able to sit there and watch other people conjure up that sort of courage and share it. So that was, that was a really cool thing to be part of. And we're in the process of getting that out. Now the short term is like indie film festivals, which we're navigating, which I don't know anything about. Um, and then long-term is uh, like uh, a streaming app. So like, you know, the Netflix or Hulu or whatnot in between we're, tossing the idea of doing like a tour with a movie across the country, like 15 or 20 cities. Um, Cause it's just such, it's got such a great message in it and it's all about hope. Uh, so with that, I was able to do a couple other documentaries, uh, small parts and documentaries, and it's all just sort of fuel, just being an advocate and trying to, you know, I don't expect people to heal publicly like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but my hope is that people can heal privately by watching me heal publicly. And that's kind of what I do, all I do, whether it's writing, you know, film type stuff or interviews, uh, podcasts, all that is just, um, it's just kind of all part of it. And I, and I, and I hope it helps, if it helps one person, then I've done my job. Yes. Well, I, I watch your videos and I think you've helped way more than one person. <laughs> so I can't wait to see the movie though. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I'll be honest. It's, um, I will have hopefully have access to the trailer for it, which is good because come summertime, I have some more conference speaking events, uh, and hopefully I can show it to get people amped up for it and, you yeah. know, spread the word. That's awesome. Well, Keith, it's been really awesome having this conversation with you and I would just, do you have any last words you want to share with anybody? You know, I always tell people that there's always hope and it sounds corny, but you know, people like us, other people that we've met, especially if you know, people you've met all, all the different books um, are proof that, that there is hope. And, you know, we falter and fall on our face quite often, especially in my life. Um, but I'm still here. 
you know, and you're still here and there is always hope and it can always be better. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. And I also think that sometimes, sometimes when people are in a place in a dark place, um, maybe they haven't found their purpose in the world yet or their place in the world yet. And I think that was my case when I was younger is I just, you know, I wanted to achieve everything and prove myself to everybody. And I always felt like I felt, fell short and it was, you know, it was my own brain giving me those ideas. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was, I was doing a good job, but sometimes we get in our own head and we have those thoughts and they're, you know, you need to have a, a mirror or someone around you that can reflect back to you why that's not true or how to support you when you are in having a bad day. So I hope this conversation helped and I'm sure it will reach many. I'm going to put up our Realize Foundation um, website and what you can find there is you can find some resources. You can find a submission form for writing in one of our books. Um, you can also find a list of our events there and you can also donate there. So you can donate in different ways. You can donate any amount helps us, or you can also um, sponsor an author for a book. You can do different things and you can also reach out to us if you have questions or you can subscribe to our website. And that is how you get all of this information um, on a consistent basis. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. I'm so happy you joined us for this conversation. My wish is that you found comfort and hope in your own unique situation. If you resonated with our message, please head over to therealizedfoundation.org where you can apply to write your own story in one of our books. You can also download our 60 Ideas for Self-Care on the resources page. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are enough.